Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. 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 God, you are worthy of all glory, honor, and praise. You're worthy of all glory, honor, and praise. Thank you for allowing us into your presence again. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for not being such a big God that you don't have time to come and see about us, Lord. Thank you. We know that you have a lot to keep in order, but we thank you for not forgetting about us. Thank you that you are in charge of the very details of our lives. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, God. We honor you and we bless you. We welcome you in this place. Father, you are welcome to move here as you see fit. We yield to your presence, Lord God. We yield to what you want to do in this place. We yield to what you want to do in our hearts, Lord, in our lives, in our circumstances, Father. We yield our understanding of moments like these. We yield our interpretation of words and moments and experiences like these. We yield it all to you. We put aside what our past experiences in, in worship settings are. We put it all aside, Lord. And we welcome you to do something new, something we've never experienced before, God. We welcome you to do something new. We welcome you to show us something new. We welcome you, Lord, to show us a different side of you than we've ever experienced before, a different form of worship than we have ever experienced before. It is a new day, God. And we know that you want to do something new in us. The old has gone away. Thank you, Father, that you do new things and you want to continuously do new things for us, Lord. So we open up, Lord God, to you. We open up our hearts to you, God. We are open to whatever you want to do. We will worship you regardless because you are the same God. Even when you do a new thing, you are the same good God. You're the same responsible God. You're the same caring and loving God. You're the same powerful God. You're the same everywhere, God. You're the, sa you're the same all the time, God. You're the same all-powerful and all-capable and all-knowing, God, even when you do new things. So we're not going to limit you. We're not going to box you in this morning. We're not going to regulate you to what we are comfortable with, God. We put aside everything. Lord, we're not worrying about how we look and how we sound. and We're not worrying about any of that this morning. We're just giving you what we have, which is us. We offer you what we have, Lord. We offer you what we have because you, you created us. We just give ourselves back to you, Lord. We give our time back to you, Lord. We give our experience back to you, Father. We give our worship back to you because it's because of you that we can worship in the first place. It's because of the breath that you put in our bodies, God, that we can worship in the first place. So, Father, we honor you. We offer you our praise. We offer you our worship, Lord. We offer you our worship, Father. We we lift our voices and we honor you our worship lord we honor you with our worship father
We honor you with our hands and with our feet and with our breath and with our notes and with our movements and with the movement, the activity of our limbs even. We give you praise. We give you honor, Lord God, because you are the reason for all of it, Lord. If it was not for you, we wouldn't be here, Father. So we give you back everything you have given to us. We honor you, Lord, and we offer up our whole entire selves, Lord, flaws and all, mistakes and all, everything about us that you are willing to take. We will give it to you this morning. We give it all to you. We give it all to you. We give it all to you because you care about each part of it, Lord. Nothing is wasted in your hands, Father. We put our whole selves, our whole lives in your hands, Father. We offer you us this morning. That's all we have. It's all we have, and we give it all back to you. Thank you, Jesus. Do you know that God is concerned about every part of your life? Do you know that he is concerned about every part of your experience, every part of your existence? He is concerned about you. There is nothing about you to him that is insignificant. Nothing. The very thing that you think doesn't matter could be one of the things that matter more than you think to him. And we don't know why, but we don't have to. The bottom line is it matters to him. You matter to him. If he cared enough to number the amount of hairs on your head, why would you think anything else about you doesn't matter to him? He, we don't all have the same amount of hair. But he cares about how many you have, how many I have, how many you have. He cares about, that's how much, it, it seems like it's not a big deal, but do you know how many hairs are on your head? No, but he does. But that's the point. Nothing about you is insignificant to him. Nothing. And if the devil has told you that this week, he lied to you. <laughs> you matter to him. Every part of you matters to him. Every part of your life matters to him all the time. And when people lie to you and tell you you don't matter, that's exactly what they're doing, lying. Whether they do it through their words or their actions, they're lying. It's a lie. Don't believe it. God cares about every part of you. And because he cares about every part of you, you can take everything that is weighing you down, everything that you are carrying, and give it to him. Because he's built to carry it. We're not. You know that cross on his back that he carried? It wasn't just a wooden structure that's not all that was that's what it was in the physical do you know how much that was in the spiritual that was everything we would ever carry but he did it in front of people's eyes so that they could see that he is literally willing to carry it he's literally willing to carry it for you but he had to do it where you could see it and so they could make a movie about it later so you could see it so you could literally see that he is literally willing to take it off of you and carry it for you he's willing to do that so take everything that you came in here with and drop it at his feet because he's waiting to carry it anyway so much so Back in the day, we used to sing this song. And he said it to me this morning. He said it to Pastor John this morning. So really quickly, if you know this song, you might have learned it at vacation Bible school like me. Now, it ain't gas in my Ford. But if you know it, 
please sing with us because it's really the epitome of what I'm trying to say. I cast all my cares upon you. Does anybody know that song? I lay all of my burdens down at your feet and anytime I don't know what to do I will cast all my cares upon you one more time I cast all my cares upon you I lay all of my burdens down at your feet and anytime I don't know what to do I will cast all my cares upon you. He just wants you to know that. He just wants to remind you because it's easy to forget. It's easy to forget. And there's not a promise of if you cast all your cares on me, then I'm going to fix it immediately. It doesn't mean your turnaround is going to happen right in front of your eyes immediately. That's not the promise. The promise is just that he will be with us in it. And while he's doing that, our only job is to wait on him and to trust him to do what he said that he's going to do. Because it's a promise. Everything God says is a promise. He, he's never gone back on anything he's ever said. So while we wait on him, what can we do in the meantime? We can trust him. And trusting him while you wait doesn't mean that you get up with that belief on 100 every single day. It doesn't mean that. So if you falter a little bit, it's not that you don't believe anymore. You're just having a little doubt. But kick that out. Kick it out. Reject it. Reject it. While you wait on him, talk to him about it. Talk to him about how you feel about while you're waiting. Talk to him about the fact that you feel like you're waiting too long. I don't like the way this feels. I'm feeling impatient and I wish you would hurry up and do it because this is uncomfortable for me. He can take all. God is not scared of you. He's not scared of you. You can't intimidate God. You can use whatever language, whatever colorful language. He's not scared of you. Now, I don't recommend it, but he's not scared of you. If that's you, bring it to him. What matters to us don't matter to him like that. It don't matter to him like that. Just bring it to him while we're waiting. So we're going to sing. I need y'all to sing. I need you to know that you are free to open up and be vulnerable in here in your worship. If you can't be vulnerable at any other time in your life, be vulnerable in your worship. I understand when we go to corporate jobs and we've got to be stout and we've got to be like a, you know, like there's a, a board up, the, up our back holding us up. And we, you know, I understand. In certain things, you have to be straightforward, but in your worship, you can literally melt into a puddle if you need to, just as long as you worship. Give him the very, the, the very essence of you because he gave it to you. Can y'all do that with us this morning? Because guess what? Just because we're up here 
doesn't mean that we've overcome what it, it doesn't mean that we're just up here and next week is going to be somebody else and the week after that it might be one of y'all you never know but we have to not be afraid especially at church we have to not be afraid to just melt in worship if you have to cry cry I came ready and it could get ugly I don't know whatever and it's we're laughing and it sounds funny but I'm tell, I'm being straight up with y'all just let it go let it go because you know what the world is not going to relent what you have to deal with out there it's not going to let it's not going to be easy on it's not going to take it up take it easy on you because you cry it's sometimes going to come harder for you because you cry but being weak what seems like being weak in worship is where you are the strongest because you're allowing God to use your vulnerability the way that he sees fit. And even your vulnerability is worship to him in the right setting. So please just feel free. Please. If you have to walk. I'm, I'm encouraging you. And I'm going to ask you. I'm literally asking you. Walk around a little bit. Walk around in your little area. Just move your body. Not for exercise sake. But for freeing sake. Let it be a, a, an example. Freeing. Free yourself. Free yourself. Walk. You can start now. Free yourself. When you hear the music, it, you don't have this, this isn't that a Pied Piper thing? You don't have to even wait until you hear the music. Just move around. Move around. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna wait on the Lord. We're going we're gonna to wait how we wait, but we're going to worship how during the wait. Y'all get what I mean? Am I in here by myself? Are y'all in here? Are we awake? Are we ready to worship? Do we need the worship? Do any, does anybody need it other than me? Anybody is here and it's free. It's free. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your name, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't believe in fairy tales I guess I've outgrown them but that doesn't mean that I don't believe that there's someone bigger than me cuz I've seen in a hospital room where the doctor said sorry there's nothing more we can do well it wasn't through I never seen a pot of gold at the end of a rainbow I've got a promise I can hold in the middle of a struggle and God if you said it you'll perform it may not be how I want you to but here's what I'll do I'm gonna wait on you I'm gonna wait on you I've tasted your goodness I've trusted your promise I'm gonna wait on you I'm gonna wait on you I've tasted your goodness I trust in your promise I'm gonna wait on you Thank you Jesus Hallelujah Bless your name Lord We honor you and we bless you Thank you, Jesus. Glory to your name, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I know you've ordered every step. Yeah, you are the author. There's no predicting what is next. You hold the future, Lord. They come second to the one who I know is true. I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to wait on you. I trusted your goodness. I trusted your promise. I'm going to wait on you. Trusting your promise, I'm gonna wait on you.
I'm gonna wait on you. I'm gonna wait on you. I'm gonna wait on you. Help me to wait on you. I'm gonna wait on you. I'm gonna wait on you. Help me to wait on you, Jesus. Help me to wait on you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You can sing what you see on the screen. You can sing your own personal song to him. You can sing a different part of the song. It doesn't matter. There's no order. Order doesn't matter. Song order doesn't matter. Sing what's coming to your lips. Sing whatever it is. Get out of your seat and move around. Move around. Walk around. Turn around. Move around. Move your body. Give it all to him. Worship him with everything. 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 Feel free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to your mighty name, Jesus. Bless your name. We are free in your presence, God. Hallelujah. Glory to your name for you're holy and you're worthy, God. And we bless your name. Thank you, Jesus. We honor in your presence. We honor your presence. We flourish in your presence, Lord God. We are strengthened in your presence, God. We are encouraged in your presence, Father. Bless your name, Jesus. You are welcome here. Your move is welcome here. Your voice is welcome here, Father. Hallelujah. Your spirit is welcome here, Lord. You're welcome. You're welcome. Let your voice be heard. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to your name, Jesus. Shout to him. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Hallelujah. 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 Do you have a Jericho, a wall of Jericho in your life that needs to come down? Does anybody have a Jericho that needs to come down? Shout. Hallelujah.
with me inside the fire I can feel you standing by standing by my side in all things be
my needs, my concerns, my sicknesses, my desires, Lord God, my disappointments, my disillusionments, my worry. It's all in your hands. All in your hands. You knew us. Father, you knew us before we were created in our mama's belly. You knit us together so intricately in that womb. You called us by name before eternity even began. We are not invisible or unqualified. We are not orphaned children given away, Lord God, forgotten and abandoned. You said you, you bring the orphans in the, into a household, Lord God. You, you bring the discarded into families. You are a father to the fatherless. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, you're worthy this morning. Your name is Yahweh Yira. You are the God that provides. Daddy, it's not just what you do. Daddy, it's who you are. God, so often, forgive us for forgetting who you are. We're waiting for you to do what we want you to do. And in our worry, we forget who you are. You are peace. You are provision. You are health. You are. You are. You are I am ever present. Jesus, you're worthy. Jesus, you're worthy. Church, Jesus is worthy. You know, church, I just want to encourage you with this word. When we were worshiping and we were praising, I was reminded of Job and how Job went through so many trials and he lost his business and, and he lost his children and he lost his house and he lost his income and, and he lost his health and his friends wandered away and people abandoned him. Finally, his, wor- his wife turns to him and says, just curse God and die. And he says this, this is so beautiful. May it resonate in our spirit today. Yet I know, I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that my Redeemer lives. No matter what, your Redeemer lives today. If death couldn't defeat him, if hell couldn't defeat him, if sin couldn't keep him down. I know what Shayla was talking about today, man. I don't know about you, but I needed to say from my heart today, God, my life is in your hands. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not just talking about, man, just, just needing, needing a break. I, I, I need to be reminded because I, I take parts of my life back. I'm worried about this and I'm worried about that and I get stressed and I get tired and my flesh is weak. And I theologically, anybody theologically know who God is? But then the bank account says zero and you forgot who he is? Or the doctor's report comes back. Or the job makes you redundant. I know my Redeemer lives. My kids are gone. I know my Redeemer lives. My job is gone. I know my Redeemer lives. 
Man, my house just fell apart. I know my Redeemer lives. My friends have walked away. I know my Redeemer lives. My spouse is gone. I know my Redeemer lives. My sick, I know, I know, I know, I know, but my Redeemer lives. So I just want to speak into your spirit today. Your Redeemer lives. Jesus, thank you for overcoming death hell, sin, the grave, everything that stood opposed and against us. And by your stripes, in every area, in every way, we proclaim that we are healed for your glory, your honor, and your praise in Jesus' name. And together we say amen and amen. So be it. Hallelujah, God. We praise you this morning. We worship you. Woo! Oh, I'm so glad you're in the house today. Pastor D and I were just saying, man, you really had to want to come to church today with the weather outside. So, no, seriously, it's so funny because, like, we think about those things on the way in. And you're like, man, you got to really want to come to church today. But, you know, there's something about making a sacrifice of praise. See, this doesn't want, wasn't just a sacrifice. You getting up, sacrifice of praise. You getting into the car, sacrifice of praise. You getting your kids ready. Come on, somebody. Everybody knows. Sac- somebody has a spouse in here you had to get ready. Sacrifice of praise. It's a sacrifice of praise. But see, every little thing does not go unnoticed by my God. Given it shall be given. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. That's not about finances. That's about life. We have made it about money. God presented that as a principle for our lives. When we give to him, he presses it down. He shakes it all up. He pours it back into our life. So thank you for being here today. Can you give everybody, if you're, just give somebody next to you a hand. Just say that. What a great, thank you for getting up this morning. Hey, can we give a shout out to everybody's online this morning? Hey, we love you guys. Thanks for getting up. Hey, I know that we've got a bunch of people at the Broad Street Run today. It's one thing to get up in this weather and come to church. It's a whole other thing to get up and run. So we're praying for you. We're believing for you. Uh, Hey, we're celebrating with you. Good on you, man. That's fantastic. Church, I love you. What we love about in this house is generations. We love, because God, how many of us know God's a generational God? He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it's not a decrease in generation. That's the lie the enemy has told you right now. The lie the enemy has told you is that this next generation will love God less than our generation has. That's a lie. Because my God is a generational God. Abraham was blessed, but Isaac had more than Abraham. Come on, somebody. And Jacob had more than Isaac. And Joseph became the second most powerful man in all the world. There is an increase when we become godly men and women and choose to raise up a generation behind us. That's what we're about. That's what Pastor Kevin and Pastor Lisa are about. So can we give the kids and the kids' ministry a hand as they follow Pastor Lisa and Kevin out? We love you guys. Keep doing what you're doing. Hey, as you're being seated, give somebody next to you a high five, a fist pump, whatever you feel comfortable with. Tell them it's good to see them at church today. Hey, before we hop into the Word today, one of the things that many of you may know and some of you may not know 
is that what is core to who we are as Connect Church is our passion to love on community. Not just that community inside these walls, although that's really important to us. It's why church is important. It's why uh, our discipleship groups are important. It's why doing life together is important. But touching people on the outside in our community as well. And, you know, it's always funny because people talk about people in need. And, and they always, uh, in, in our attempt to reach our communities, they always want to simply identify need as socioeconomics. And socioeconomics is certainly one factor of need. And for many people, it's a gigantic factor in this time and age, uh, and especially in our community. And so we want to be able to do that. But we believe that everybody has a need. Everybody needs to, has a need to feel seen and valued and loved. Come on, everybody has a need to know Jesus. And so when we reach out with need, when we reach out to people who have need, it's not need just simply through economics. It's need that we bring them Jesus. We use various methods. One of the methods that we use is t uh, TKC, Thy Kingdom Crumb, our mobile food truck ministry that goes out weekly and gives away free food into our community. And, and uh, we give away hundreds and thousands of meals uh, all, all the time. We see people come to know Jesus every week. It's a, beautiful, it's a beautiful opportunity for us as a church to make a difference. And many of you are, have been a part of it and are a part of it. And what we do know is this, that actually costs, it takes a lot of resource to be able to be a resource. It requires resource to be a resource. And so throughout the year, we do a couple fundraisers. One of them is coming up uh, in the next few weeks. It's our silent auction. And uh, we have all sorts of gifts that you can um, bid on and your friends can bid on, your family members can bid on, and all sorts of fun stuff. But it's not just, we try to make it fun. But the, the reality is there's a need. And all that money goes to buy food to be able to give food away. So we just did a, a, a quick video for you to know a little bit more about TKC. So if you can uh, pay attention to the screen really quickly, uh, we're going to see what's coming up soon. soon.
Over the next few weeks, there's a couple ways that you can help us. Uh, you can bring prayer, start praying for increase, pray for provision. Uh, you can bring a gift if you uh, have something, either you or, or, or coworkers or your corporation wants to donate something that we can put up for silent auction. That would be fantastic. Uh, our director uh, of TKC is Stephanie Gibson right over here. Stephanie will be out uh, with some of the team out uh, in, the, in the lobby afterwards. And you can bring attention to it. Don't just rely on the church or TKC to be the voice that brings people to this thing. This is what we do. This is what we do. But you can say, well, I've never been out there. I, I know, but you've never been up here on the stage, and yet we worship together today. Right? This is what we do. So you can pray, you can bring, you can bring attention. All right. Are you guys ready for the word today? I'm ready for the word. Since you brought your Bible, open with me to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25. Matthew's the first book in the New Testament. It's written by Matthew, who's an apostle, uh, a, a disciple of Jesus, was a tax collector. And we started to talk last week about the clarion call for the church to wake up, to arise. That God's not actually upset that we're asleep, but that he is calling us to change and to, to wake up. And if you missed that message or weren't able to be here, can I really encourage you? Go back and watch it. One of the social media feeds, go back, and, because it, it really is the heartbeat of who we are. And I believe what God's calling us to as a people. And so this week, since we've been talking about waking up, the title of my message today is Don't Push, don't push News. Come on, somebody, Don't Push News. Come on, one of the greatest temptations I believe in life may not be the double chocolate sundae or the third helping of Doritos, hallelujah. But one of the greatest temptations of our life really might be hitting the snooze button. Over and over, some people are like pushing their spouse, over again, right? Why, what's, what's the danger of hitting the snooze button that we may actually miss what the alarm was set for in the first place? And this temptation doesn't just simply go on in our physical lives. It happens in our spiritual lives as well. Because last week we talked about the need for the bride to arise, to awake from our slumber, to wake up, and to be what Jesus has called us to be. And as part of that message, we, we shared about this parable. We mentioned this parable in Matthew 25 in that message last week. So I wanted to take a little bit more time today and unpack it further for us because I believe that there are some things in there that can spark something inside of us. Because the issue is not necessarily that sometimes you and I fall asleep on our journey with Jesus. Come on, sometimes we, anybody with me, sometimes we fall asleep on, how, you know, walking in holiness we let integrity slide a little bit. Sometimes we fall asleep on, on seeking the kingdom first. Not just, I know it's in there, but first. But, but that's really not the issue. What Jesus makes the issue is what do we do when we've heard the alarm? When we've seen the labor pains all around us, when, when, when we begin to hear the words stir, the trumpet begin to sound, what, what do we do when the Spirit begins to prick at our conscience to arise and do something? What do we do when the alarm goes off and we don't wake up? When we reach over and we hit the snooze again and again and again. Has anyone ever hit the spiritual snooze? Somebody say amen other than me. I'm just, 
Like, it's so, it's so easy, right? Especially if you've walked with Jesus for a while, especially if you've been in church for a while, because you know the verses. Mm-hmm. You know about Jesus. You know every hymn, every song. You can join in the, you joined in the chorus when, when Shayla started singing this morning because you were at VBS. But you have hit snooze on being who God designed you and I to be. And in this text, Jesus is setting the tone for the expectations for all of us who are asleep. Because the alarm is sounding that he is coming for his bride. So how will we respond? As bridesmaids, because that's what this text is about. As bridesmaids, as the ones responsible for the bride. Will we hit the snooze? Or will we rise up, wake up, and shake it up? And start actually being who God calls us to be. So that we could honor the groom. So that we can honor Jesus. Do you realize that's what our life is about? If you want your life in a nutshell, Pastor, what's the purpose of my life? Why did he call me? Why did he save me? Why did he give me these gifts or not give me enough gifts or didn't give me the gifts I wanted? Why? To honor Jesus. It is our job as bridesmaids to get the bride ready to honor the groom. That's what he's talking about. That's why we need to rise. We can't sleep. Matthew 25, verse 1. We're going to read the whole one, so it's long, but stay with me. At, the time, the ki- uh, the, uh, at, the time, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps, went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. So here's the reality. Today, we only have to really identify which one of those five we are. And let's be honest. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. They had form, but no function. That's one of the greatest traps in Christian life today, is having form of Christianity, but not the function of being a disciple of Christ. The wise ones, however, took oil in their jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. Somebody say amen. It's been 2,000 years. And when they became drowsy and fell asleep, at midnight the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. All the virgins woke, trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready, underline, ready. That means when they woke up, they got ready. There was an action. They didn't hit snooze. They went in with him to the banquet, the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, uh, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. I'm going to stop there for a moment. The issue was the bride knew the bridegroom. Uh, The bride knew the bridesmaids. But the bridesmaids had not made themselves known to the groom. It is easy in modern Christianity for us to be known by the bride, but for us to never make ourselves known to the bridegroom. The greatest failure in our life would be to be known by the bride and never make ourselves known to the bridegroom. The door was shut and the word ends, therefore keep watch because you don't know the day or the hour. Here's the great news. Jesus is coming back. It's the great news. Somebody should say amen. Jesus is coming back. So you and I cannot afford to hit snooze. 
Now, I know someone's saying, but Pastor, he's been saying he's coming back. They've been believing he's been coming back for 2,000 years. The early church believed that he was coming back even back then. Exactly. That's why there's so many Christians today. You are looking at the effect of people who throughout the centuries actually believed there was an urgency. We need to respond with a sense of urgency because the truth is our world, our kids, our neighbors, our love for Jesus cannot afford for you and I to keep hitting the snooze button. But I believe in order for us to best understand this parable, we first have to understand the Jewish wedding customs. So we're going to teach and preach a little bit this morning so you can take some notes, all right? We're going to help you unpack this a little bit. Because there are two stages of the Jewish wedding feast. Two. The first stage is the betrothal period, or the kiddushin. And that is when the father sent a servant out in order to find a bride for his son. We see it from the very beginning in Genesis 24. Abraham sends his servant out to find a wife, Rebekah, for his son Isaac. Where was she, by the way, which I love it because this is the father of faith. Faith sends out a servant and he finds the bride drawing water from the well. Come on, that is a picture of us, the bride, drawing water from the Holy Spirit. That's the kind of bride that the groom is looking for. The Bible says that after they actually come up, uh, they find the bride, they agree on a price. And when they agree on a price, it begins the betrothal period. Now here's the issue. The truth is that after the fall, God began sending out his servants. He sent out the servant of grace and mercy and loving kindness because those things serve God. He had to send them out because if he didn't, Adam and Eve would have evaporated and been dead because the wages of sin is death. So he sends these things out into the world. He sends his word. He sends his prophets. He sends his spirit out to find the bride. And when they find the bride, they agree on the price. And the price is the cross. The price that they agree upon is the blood of the Lamb. That's why Revelation 13, 8 says that he was, the blood, he was, he was killed. The, blood, the Lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. And when the bride price was met, you and I became his betrothed. You and I became the betrothed of Jesus. We became his beloved. We enter the betrothal period. But the second part of the betrothal period is called tenaim. Tenaim is when the bridegroom would leave his father's house now that the servant found the bride to go meet the bride for the first time. This is the, fir- this is the first Christmas morning. Jesus leaves heaven, the father's house, to go meet his bride for the first time. What a good God we've got. And when he comes to meet her for the first time, he actually pays the bride price that was agreed upon, the mohir. The mohir is the bride price. Do you realize that we were not free? 1 Corinthians 6.20 says that we are not our own. We were bought at a price. We couldn't pay the price, so he, the groom, paid it for us. But here's the beautiful moment. Once the price was paid, the groom would go and stand in front of the whole village, and he would shout at the top of his lungs, the price has been paid in full. 
The price has been paid in full. And when he did that, it sealed the agreement. The agreement was done. Isn't that what Jesus did on John, John 19.30 when he stood on the cross in front of the global village of all time and space and said, It's done! The price for my bride is sealed. It's done. What's so beautiful is that from that bride price, the bride would take the coins and she would make it into a headpiece so that she could wear it around her head, keep it close to her so she could steward it, so she could actually proclaim that the commitment was fulfilled. It was the original engagement ring. She would keep those gifts safe. She would steward the price, steward the gift. Church, can I ask us a question today? How are we stewarding the price? How are we stewarding the price? How are we stewarding the gift? How are we stewarding? Are we wearing it well? It's the parable of the lost, the lost coin in Luke 15. Do you remember that? She, the, 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 the lady had 10 silver coins, 10, and she loses one. But she doesn't say, I've got nine more, it's all good. What's the big deal? Because she understood the price it took the groom to give her that. So she tore up the house. She did whatever she had to do to find that thing. Why? And when she found it, there was rejoicing because she wanted to steward the, groom, the groom's gift well. How are we stewarding his gift well? Because the third phase of the betrothal phase is called the ketubah. And it's where they would write up a covenantal contract with one another. It would be the terms by which the groom would take care of the bride's needs during the time that he was away, but before the wedding. So there was going to be a period where he was going to be away, but then there would be a wedding. So he wrote a contract that said, this is how the bride's needs are going to be met while I'm away before the wedding. Jesus, on the last night, said this is the cup of the new covenant. He wrote a contract with you and I, signed in his blood. It is the promises of God. It is the word of God that he has given you and I. That's why 2 Corinthians 1.20 says all the promises of Jesus are yes and amen in Jesus Christ for his glory. He gave us his word. He gave us the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because 1 Corinthians 12.7 says a gift has been given to each one of us. Why? To take care of us in between the time. I don't need the gifts of the Spirit in heaven. Ain't no sick people to pray for. I don't need tongues in heaven. We all have one tongue. I don't need discernment in heaven. I've already been known and fully know. The gifts of the Spirit are for the in-between time. The betrothal period we are in. It's the part of the provision while he's away. And again, after that covenant was signed, he would declare in front of everyone, it is finished, signifying that the marriage union was now in full force, even though they were not going to live together yet. Do you realize that even though we do not live with Jesus totally in his house yet, we live in the full force of the marriage agreement that he wrote for you and I. Why are we worried? Why are we stressed? Why are we depressed? Why are we down? Why are we anxious? Why are we losing our hair? Why do we have uh, ulcers in our belly? Why? That's right. 
We live in the full force of the agreement, the covenant. We live under the word of the groom. And Numbers 23, 19 says he's not a man that he should lie. It's why getting to know the word is so important. What he said, not what people say he said, not what social media wishes he said, not what your grandmama thought he said, what the word says because the contract is between the groom and his bride. See, but this phase ends with the groom going away. He goes away to get ready for the wedding. This phase ended for us in the resurrection and ascension of Jesus. When he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, the betrothal stage of the wedding ended. Now we stepped into the new phase. The second phase of the wedding is where we live today. It begins the hoopah period. A hoopah in modern day uh, uh, Judaism is a, a canopy, a tent that they stand under. Our brothers and sisters stand under when they get married. But in antiquity, the hoopah period was the entire period between when he leaves to when he comes back, and it actually means covering. You and I are standing in a period of covering. We are covered living under the shadows of the Almighty's wings. We are living covered. I need a covering. I need a covering. I need a covering. In, in church, you need a covering. In anointing, you need a covering. In ministry, you need a covering. In marriage, you need a covering. God said, cool, I've got the covering. He covers us. During this time, the bride would go away, to, uh, the groom, sorry, would go away from the bride to prepare a place for his bride. A beautiful new addition, mm, listen, to his father's house, to the place of his inheritance. Isn't this what Jesus tells us in John 14 when he's getting ready to go to the cross? Don't be afraid, I'm going to go away. I'm going to go to my father's house. And in my father's house, there are many rooms. But if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm coming back. In reality, in antiquity, that could be a year to two years in waiting. How many of you know, when you're in love, that's a long time. I remember when Danielle and I were dating, we, we were engaged for 16 months. And most of that time was spent separated. She was going to college in, in Pennsylvania, Valley Forge, and I was going to a seminary above Boston, and we were really far away from each other all the time. This is before cell phones and texts and emails. Somebody saying, man, what did we do? <laughs> it stunk. But what would have happened if I had neglected our relationship during that time or never would have gotten my tux or prepared for the wedding day? If I would have just rolled up in some shorts and flip-flops on that wedding day, if I had not learned during that time how to put down the toilet seat, come on somebody, say amen, it would have made for a very unhappy moment. But the truth is the distance was difficult, but the preparation was worth it. My friends, the, diff, the distance is difficult right now, but the preparation is worth it. Yes, it's difficult. This Christian life is hard. Being holy, not easy. Walking with Jesus, lots of obstacles. Getting up early to study his word and pray, rely on him and not on ourselves, really hard. But the preparation is worth it. So how are we preparing and training ourselves during this time? 
This is why discipleship and our men's forge groups and our women's shoulder-to-shoulders groups are so important. Because it's not simply about church attendance or good works or better attitudes that's important. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9.27, I discipline my body daily so that after I preach to others on my social media feed, I don't disqualify myself for the prize. And during this time, the groom would send a servant <laughs> from his father's house. To keep an eye on the bride, to make sure the bride has everything that she needs. All the conditions of the covenant were met and kept. My Jesus sent a servant called the Holy Spirit from the Father's house that is meant to come into our lives. We should not be afraid of the Holy Ghost. It's not a charismatic thing. It's not a Pentecostal thing. It's a biblical thing. It is a gift. It's part of being part of this wedding phase because if the Holy Ghost is not here for today, then we are not in the marriage covenant at all. Because there's a servant that came from the Father's house to make sure that the things of the covenant were met in our lives. Let me encourage each one of us. We need to push into the Holy Spirit. We need to build a relationship with Him. We need to be praying in the Spirit, getting into His Word, listening to His voice on a consistent basis. Why? Because it will help us to overcome our negative and selfish souls. Because you and I don't wonder well. We wonder poorly. Right? We're not sitting there. 80% of what we think about ourselves and others is negative. We're self-focused at our core. This is why Jesus said, cool. In John 16, he said, it is to your advantage that I go away. That is craziness. Think about what he said. I don't know about you, but I'd feel more comfortable if Jesus was standing right here walking with me. He said, it's to your advantage I send the Spirit, the servant from my Father's house, rather than have me with you. It is better for me to put him in you than for me to walk with him. I don't know about you, but I need some help. The reality is, even with the servant present, the bride would live with her parents until the groom comes back to take her from the Father's house. Here's our issue. Our issue, my friends, is that you and I still live in our parents' house, in the house that Adam and Eve built. We still live in a house with pain and suffering and issues and hurt and disillusionment and disappointment where people in church hurt you, with people out of church hurt you, with pastors who let you down and bosses who disillusion you, with friends who betray you and spouses that leave you. We live in our parents' house. But it won't be this way forever. Let, 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 me, let me say that again. I was away from Danielle for 16 months, but we got married. You, you, you may be living in your dad, your, your Adam and Eve's house. It ain't going to be this way forever. Because the Bible says when he returns, when the groom comes in Revelation 21, there will be no more tears, no more sickness, no more dying, no more fear, no more pain, no more sorrow. The old will be gone, the new will come. The truth is, this is why we have to fan into flame what we were talking about last week, faith. Because due to our soul and our sorrow, our cumulative weariness, our compounded grief that we exist in this world, you and I as men and women of faith leak faith. We leak it. We are broken vessels that we would love to tell you that we're full to the brim. We're liars. We leak faith. Even the mighty Peter and the powerful John the Baptist. They leaked faith, so do we. 
Come on. The truth is, if, if we had brake lines that were leaking brake, brake fluid, we would get them fixed every time the light came on. Because we would know that even if we were not, it wasn't a problem now, that sooner or later, it was going to give out and we were going to crash. The Word every Sunday tells us we're leaking faith. We're leaking faith. It's the red light to tell us, come on, to get our faith fixed. Because the issue is for you and I, and this is where we struggle, and I know I struggle at times to develop deeper levels of faith, not theology, not knowledge, not understanding. I have those things. Faith that's activated in my life. Not belief that I know, faith that I activate. Is that faith is only developed in the uncomfortable and the uncontrollable. And you and I actively avoid those things. We don't want to be in uncomfortable situations, and we hate, come on somebody, when we are, can't control it. And not only do we avoid them, sometimes we allow them to grow disillusionment rather than faith. But this is what I know. This is what I've learned over 30 years, is that the best place to develop faith is actually in the field tending sheep. That's where King David learned how to beat Goliath. The Bible says when I was out tending my father's sheep, when no one saw me and no one knew me, when I wasn't on a platform and I didn't have any position, when no one knew my name and was singing my choruses, when I was invisible to everybody, I was caring for things that weren't mine to care for but were my daddy's. And so I took care of what was important to my dad. And when I took care of what was important to my dad, the mouth of the bear and the paw of the light couldn't touch me. Faith. Why? Because when we're around people and taking care of people and trying to love on people, we have to activate grace. We have to grow in love and patience and be kind because sheep bite. And you got to clean up their poop. And it's the place where the lion and the bear, the enemy comes to attack. It's the place of being uncomfortable and uncontrollable. It's why living a life focused on bringing the kingdom to others is what will really fan our faith into flames. Yeah, I know, but I wanna, I, I, I'm, I'm pumped up for Jesus. Emotional response. Being in an area where we half are forced to rely on faith to take care of people fans faith into flame. What I love about this period, by the way, we're going to be done in a couple of minutes, I'm sweaty already, is that the bride, during this time, the bride will perform what's called a mikvah. And uh, we're going to talk about that this week at Forge, by the way. It's a ceremonial cleansing. It's when they would dip themselves, immerse themselves in living water. And once the bride is, uh, is washed, she's considered a new creation. That means everything she once was is done away with. That's what baptism symbolizes. We're going to have baptism in a few weeks here, May 21st. So hop on in. But that's what baptism symbolizes. I, I die with Christ and I'm resurrected with him. I'm dead and now I'm new. But if I am dead and now I'm new, I got to stop going back to the old. I got to stop going back to the old attitude, the old lifestyle, the old negative things I've said about myself, the, old, the things that I used to complain about, the people that used to hurt me, the things I used to walk away from God for, the things I used to desire more than the kingdom. I got to stop it. Why? Because God tells me I'm a fool if I do. Proverbs 26, 11 says, as a dog returns to its own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Do you know why a dog returns to its vomit? Because there's something in there, in there that they had eaten that still attracts them. 
there's something still in there that still attracts them. That's why we need holiness. It's why we need discipleship. It's why we need to live in repentance where we're actively turning away, turning around and walking in a different direction. Because now the bride's responsibility is to steward all that the covenant has told her to do and all that it's called her to be until the groom comes. Until he comes, she needs to stay ready with a mentality that says today could be the day. Christian, are we, today could be the day. Are you all right with your friends? Where their eternity lies if today's the day? Your children? Your co-workers? If, if today's the day. That's why there's urgency. I don't know if today's the day. But how different would it be if we lived that way? Because he is coming back. The, la- the end of the wedding service is when the groom comes. Once the father deems the time ready, he tells his son to bring home his bride. And the servant runs ahead of the groom, and he's blowing the, sh- the trumpet, the shofar. That's why you and I, when, when we hear the trumpet blast, Jesus Christ will come. He's shouting, the groom is coming, the groom is coming, the groom is coming. When we see the labor pains, when we hear the word, when God is speaking over us time and time again, arise, awake, the groom is coming, the groom is coming. That is when the bridesmaids then go out to meet the groom to bring an array of light and glory as he comes to meet his bride. Then they would go back to the father's house for the ceremony. Then they would go back to the father's house to have a party and to consummate the marriage. That's what Revelation 19 says. Now, when Jesus returns, now the marriage feast of the Lamb has come. But we're not there yet. We're in the blowing of the trumpet. There is a one who is coming. We're in the one where the father is getting ready to send back his son to get his bride. Now the, bri- the bridesmaids have some responsibility. Because the challenge is, my friends, here's the challenge. We are both the bride, because we're the church corporately. But we're also the bridesmaids in this parable. As bridesmaids, we get to do, uh, we, we have things to do to be a part of this moment. To help this celebration be the best it can be. We didn't pay for the wedding. We couldn't make it happen. But our actions can make it a happening Because as bridesmaids, we get to help make the bride beautiful. Isn't that what your job was as a bridesmaid? Help her get ready for that day. Make her beautiful. To help erase those spots and blemishes. To present her gorgeous and holy. A radiant bride to her groom. See, my friends, it's not just how we present the church to the world that matters. It's how we present her to the groom that matters. So often we are so, it's not just so that we can win the world, it's so that we can bless the king. Like, have you thought about how our interactions with one another, how we talk about church, how we talk about other Christians, increases blemishes rather than removes them? It's our job to help present the church to our king as beautiful. 
I think one of my favorite things in doing weddings is the first moment the doors open and the groom sees the bride coming down all dressed beautiful and he gets all excited and lots of times he starts to cry. It's so powerful of a moment. But it reminds me of what Ephesians 5.27 says. Paul tells us that because of Jesus' sacrificial love, because he gave of himself, why did he give himself so much? So that he could present the church blameless, without spot and wrinkle, as holy. Part of our journey, church, as individuals and as a corporate body is to do whatever we can in us to be a part of presenting her as holy. This is where holiness has to become the standard for our life, the standard for our interactions with others, and the standard of our interactions with ourselves. There's no leeway. It's not holy, but God says, I am holy, therefore be holy. Let me ask the question. What could the church look like if every time there was an offense, we covered it up with love and forgiveness? If every time someone who was walking alone fell, that there were two brothers or sisters there to help them back up again and not to drive the bus over them and park it there, but to do what Galatians 6.1 says, to restore them gently. If every time there was a need, there was a line around the block of gifted and exuberant people to fill it. If every time we saw the bride lose her veil, we were the ones who ran to get it. That's why Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and to stir up good works, not forsaking the gathering of the brothers together as the time approaches. Consider each other, love each other, stir each other up to good works. Why? It's not just coming to church. That was part of the given. Because we get the honor as bridesmaids of lighting the way to the bride. Jesus wasn't put out because they fell asleep. He caused them fools because they weren't ready to use what the groom had already provided to create an atmosphere of glory. He called them fools because they weren't ready to, to use what he had already provided to create an atmosphere of glory. It was the bridesmaid's responsibility used their light to create an aura of glory around the bride. Can you imagine in the middle of the night taking lamps out and surrounding the bride? Can you imagine the light as it shines on her as you take her to meet the groom that's coming to take her home once again? You want to talk about a soft light filter. Come on, do you know how all the celebrities look good? Soft light filters. That's what we're called to create. That's why Jesus says in Matthew 5, 14 in the message, you're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this thing, as public as a city on the hill. See, the bride is this beautiful mosaic with pieces of every size and every color, white and black and Hispanic and AAPI and First Nation and Native American with various gifts and talents and abilities of every kind, one and five and 10 and 20, some with a little and some with a lot, but it is our diversity that, that gives the bride and reveals her glory. It's our diversity. We're a mosaic. But like us, all they had to do was steward what was already in their hand. Have we ever wondered what kind of light we could shine on the bride if we just used what was already in our hand? 
what God had already placed, that passion in our heart and those abilities in our hand, and he placed us in a world to change. All of given gifts for the common good because the groom knows what the bride needs to light up the night. That Katy Perry song coming to anybody else's head? Baby, you're a firework. All right, I'll stop. Now it's stuck in your head. Oh, 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 come on. Shoot across the sky. All right. Hey. Chris is like, I ain't getting up on the keyboard. You get your own. Come on, the real question is how are we using what he's placed in our hands to shine a light on his bride to make her shine? That's the pastor's job. That's the evangelist's job. That's the apostle. No, no, no. That's the bridesmaid's job. That's the bridesmaid's job. And ultimately, my friends, in so doing, we will help the guests find their way to the wedding feast. As part of the bridegroom's role and why the groom is actually angry and calls them foolish was because they were supposed to light a way for when the people who heard the noise that the groom was coming and would get out of their house and want to go to the party, they would be able to follow the light to the wedding party. It was an ancient GPS. It was before Waze. It was before Google Maps. It was us. Us. Not following us to a church, to a theology, to a political party, to an ideology. We're bringing them to the groom. The issue was there was a lack of oil. It's not that they were positioned wrong or even provi- or weren't provided for. The groom had already provided all the income they need, whatever they needed. So why was there lack? Because here's the trap of modern Christianity, consumer Christianity, where God wants me to be blessed, me to be blessed. It's not that God doesn't want to bless you, but he wants to bless you to bless people through you. Because when we live in that way, we live as the five foolish ones who either consumed what was provided for them or never devoted the time and energy to go out and get the oil in order to do what they were designed to do, or they simply didn't really think it was a big enough deal to get their full attention. So they allowed their soul to push snooze. Snooze on praying together or praying for others. Snooze on holy restraint when it comes to our dreams versus his desires. Snooze on recognizing what we've been designed to be and allowing our flesh to speak louder than the spirit. Come on, somebody. When the alarm sounds, we need to grab the oil, the oil of the Holy Spirit, to bring people to Jesus, to show away uh, his path, an example of his love. We need his character, his word, his anointing, his gifting, and his gospel. It's why Paul says to the Corinthians, man, when I showed up, I didn't didn't persuade you by arguing with you. Uh, We didn't have it out on social media. I persuaded you by demonstrations of the Holy Spirit and of power. It's not our theology that will move this world, but our authenticity. It's not our social media feed that will move people, but how we feed people that will move people. It's not our political party that has eternal significance, but if we bring people to the wedding party, that changes eternities. It's why you and I have to be shod in the readiness of the gospel, to be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have. To not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the only power to change our world. The more we press into the Holy Spirit, 
the more fire will burn in our lamps to share the gospel. The oil of the Holy Spirit, the fire, creates the flames to burn bright. Praying in the Spirit opens doors otherwise shut to us. Moving in the gifts of the Spirit shatters bondages that the enemy has used to keep people away from Jesus. Fasting with help of the Spirit moves things that many times seem impossible to be moved. Giving away the fruit that the Spirit grows in us of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, of forgiveness, of hope, fills a hunger in people untouched by human means. This is what it means to be the church. I'm going to end with this story. It's a true story about Pastor D. I was thinking about this whole time when I put together this message. Early on in our marriage, one of Danielle's friends asked her to come sing at her wedding. And they had known each other their whole lives, and she knew what church that this woman had grown up in her whole life. And so the wedding day came. Pastor D got dressed up. She drove to the church gave the background tape to the sound guy. That's right, that's how long ago it was a background tape. Some of you know what I'm talking about. To the sound guy, got her mic, sat in the front row and waited for the wedding to start. Music starts playing, the groom and the bride walk in and she realizes she's at the wrong wedding. That is my nightmare, by the way, right? She's at the wrong wedding. Because even though she grew up with the girl, the girl never told her the right place to go. what churchianity and religion is today the wrong wedding it has a bride and a groom but not the right one can we imagine how horrible it would be if our friends our neighbors our co-workers our kids ended up at the wrong wedding because we simply didn't tell them about the right one I'm not talking about missing a solo at a friend's wedding. I'm talking about missing eternity with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I'm talking about a life separated from God and an eternity in a place called hell. My friends, what I preached about today is not about growing the church. It's about being the church. It's not about being better but being a disciple. It's not about shining light on our own life but shining the light on Jesus' wife. So in this beautiful mosaic, what peace will we add? What part of light will we shine? What will we do with the lamp that he has placed in our hands? The alarm has sounded. The groom is coming. The only question is, will we wake up and shake it up? Or like so many in our world today, reach over and just hit snooze again. I don't know when he's coming, but I know he is. And I don't want not one of my friends, not one of my kids, not one of my, <coughs> my friends, not one of my coworkers, not one of my neighbors to go to the wrong wedding because they knew me back when, but I never stopped to tell them about the right one. Let's pray. 
Hey, as we're praying, as you get ready to pray, I just really feel the Holy Spirit moving in this moment because um, I want to just say this. There there have been callings and and, uh, giftings that have been released in you for so long and you somehow are waiting for some time down the road. And and I'm not talking about... uh, just some prophetic word given. I'm talking about, you know, the Holy Spirit has been moving in your heart, that there, that there have been young people that have been on your mind, that there's generations that you care about, that you are called to be a light into a dark world. What are we waiting for? It's kind of like, oh, I'm just going to wait to have kids until I have more finances and my life's together. Your life will never be together. There will never be more time. Your, your, your vocational pressure will never be off of you. Your boss's expectations will never be less. I don't know when he's coming, but I am so thankful for those men and women 2,000 years ago who believed it could be today. Because the reason that you and I are here, standing in this amazing country, standing in this beautiful church is because there were men and women who stood up in the middle of an empire that said that they were crazy and that they were nuts and that they were Jesus freaks and that they were wrong and that they were deceived and that they were emotional and they said all I know is that Jesus Christ died, he rose again and he's coming back and that it could be today. So let me tell you about him. I want to tell you about him. If you've never, ever taken the opportunity to ask him into your heart, to ask Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life, I'm not asking you, have you been to church before? VBS, you know some verses, you've read the Bible. I'm asking you, have you ever seriously asked Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life? Then right here and right now is the time. Hop in. It's uncomfortable. And it's uncontrollable. But I am saved by grace through faith, apart from any work. I just ask him into my life. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you, if you're serious about making Jesus Savior and Lord of your life, hopping in, waking up, being filled with the, the oil of the Holy Spirit, today's your day. We're going to believe for the Holy Spirit to move in this place right here, right now. We're all going to pray together, but you pray from the bottom of your heart. Just say, dear Lord Jesus, here I am today. I've come to give you all of my life. I'm not going to hold anything back. I'm hopping full in. Forgive me of all my sin. Cleanse me of everything I've done wrong. Because I'm asking you, Jesus... To be the Lord and the Savior of my life. I'm choosing today to live as a wise follower. Choosing to shine my light. To use my gift for your glory and your glory alone. To live with a sense of urgency. So fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your power. Fill me with your word. I trust you and I live for you. 
In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's say amen. Come on, let's praise God in this place. Hallelujah. Jesus, you're worthy. Hey, I took too long this morning, but I thank you for letting me praise you a little longer today. No, I mean, and I know, I know, I appreciate you saying that. I know, I got it. But I, I, it's, it's my job to steward time better. There's an urgency I can't quit on. We got to tell them there's a right wedding. It's not to make them feel bad because they went to the wrong one. It's just because we care they show up at the right one. Pastor Lisa's going to come. She's got a, we got, we're going to take offering and then she's just going to have you stand and she's going to pray over you. And Lisa is such a person of faith. I'm going to believe with you as she prays over you. I'm going to believe with you, not for you, with you, that there's going to be new gifts that are going to be released in this house. That, 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 that bridesmaids who woke up foolish are choosing today to be wise. Thank, thank God we got a God of a second chance. Right? Thank God that, that when we wake up, it's not just all or none. Like, he gives us a second chance. And that faith is going to blossom inside of you. you believe for faith today? Will you, believe, will you believe for faith today to rise up in you? Come on, give Pastor Lisa a hand as she's coming. Amen. Hallelujah. Good morning, church. I just want to take a quick minute to lead us in our tithes and offerings this morning, and as you may know, there are three ways that you can do that. Today, you can use the envelopes beside you and put it in the nice gold kiosks at the door. You can go online, or you can use the QR code this morning. But as you're doing that, I just wanted to share something really quick, a little real talk this morning. Is there anyone in here that is like me? I feel like I spend a lot of time during the week asking God for things for me. Is there anyone else? Or are you all just gonna leave me hanging and be like, no, you're awful. Well, I feel like I spend a lot of time, right, during the week being like, God, I really need help with this. God, could I have this? Can you help me in this situation? Can you help me with that? I really feel like I could use a week in the Bahamas. Anybody else here this morning? Amen. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? God is a good God and he wants us to come to him and to ask. But isn't offering and tithe such a beautiful moment where we can worship God, where we can give back to him? And yet, you know how good our Father is? Even in that moment where we are giving to God, Luke 6, 38 says, give and it will be given to you. God is such a good father that he says, even though I have told you in my word to give, I'm gonna give right back to you. Just watch me give, and I'm gonna replenish and multiply back to you. Amen, church? So let's pray this morning as we close out. Heavenly Father, we thank you today, God. We thank you that you are a good father. Lord, no matter what we are facing today, no matter what our feelings are telling us, what our circumstances are looking like, God, as we leave out here today, no matter how our bank account looks, God, you are a good father. We can trust you, Lord. God, I thank you that we can trust you, Lord, even though our feelings may be saying, no, we can't, and what if it goes wrong? We stand on your word this morning as your people, as your bride, that we trust you, Lord. We trust you in our finances. 
We trust you with our whole lives this morning, God, and we love you. We give it all back to you, Father, and we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church. Have a really, really good week, church. Amen.